If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Relatable Voice podcast. Today, the RV is headed towards Oregon to speak with Yvonne Wakefield. Yvonne is an artist, an author, and her new book is called Baby in the Woods, Self-Portrait the second book of her book series. So, my dear Yvonne, welcome to The Relatable Voice. Well, thank you for having me here. Of course, it's my pleasure, Yvonne. Usually on the RV, we start off a little light, but I have so much I want to talk about that we are going to jump right in, okay? Okay. So we were talking about your journey and how you started in Minnesota, but ended in Strawberry Mountains Wilderness in Oregon. So Yvonne, can you tell us about what brought you there? Well, serendipitous and fate. Um, My father died when I was nine and my mother moved us back to her home state of Minnesota And she died five years later. So at 14, I was an orphan. And I remember the night that she died, I was wondering where I was going to live the next day, the next week, the next month. I couldn't fathom in this free fall of sudden abandonment and loss. And I had this vision or an idea that if I could survive long enough um, to be of legal age, I, I knew I was getting some inheritance for my college education, I would go to the wilderness, eat a cat, buy a case of cold duck, which is sparkling sweet red wine. And I would build a cabin and write poetry and do art. So the day, literally the day I turned 18, I cashed, I I took off from Minnesota and started driving around Oregon to Oregon a place I'd never been before. And I only really knew it through history books. And in a roundabout way, found property outside of a small town called John Day, Oregon. And um, and I purchased 80 acres in the Strawberry Mountain Wilderness. And I went up there the next year, I was 18, in March, I think, and started to build this log cabin. I had never built really anything before. I had a book on how to build a log cabin. So I put it in the snow and I had a bow saw, which I bought for 50 cents at a flea market. And I was looking at the 
directions. And anyway, it took me too, so long to cut through this tree. And when it fell, it finally fell the wrong way. And at that point, um, I knew I needed help. So I was really fortunate to find this man named Jim. And he and I basically single-handedly built this cabin. We did have, um, there was a guy that helped for a little bit. And we didn't have any power tools. Our biggest tool was a chainsaw. So everything was done by hand. And oftentimes the road is a really awful road. Uh, was so, it was rainy, you couldn't drive it. So we packed up a lot of stuff on our backs. And I was, I was gonna build the cabin, finish it by fall and go back to college. That was my original plan, but I decided I was gonna winter it, try and winter in the cabin. So I stayed until January um, and living up there, I mean, there's no electricity, there's no running water. You get the water from the creek in buckets, light is from kerosene lamps, uh, heat is from the wood stove and you have to fall the tree, buck the tree, split it up. So I was doing all that, actually I turned 19 then. So I was doing all that at age 19. And I wanna say, I still have the property in the cabin. And now in my sixties, I'm doing the same thing I did when I was 18 with the same tools, using the same kerosene lamps and everything. It's kind of like living in a museum. Um, so I wrote a book about that first year about building, and that was called Babe in the Woods, Building a Life One Log at a Time. And that's just about, that takes you up to arriving on the land, building the cabin and leaving. And book two, Babe in the Woods Self-Portrait, continues that story. I'm a couple years older than and I decide, I went up there one summer and there were bears all over the place and it became such a nuisance, like dangerously so. I said, well, I need to build a bear-proof cellar because they were getting all my food underneath the cabin. And that led to, well, then I'll put a studio on top of the cellar. So it was a log studio. And I decided, well, this will be a post-test of my log cabin building skills. I'm gonna see if I can build this all by myself. So I fell trees that were a lot shorter than the 24 foot, I think they were 14 foot, and um, started building this, this studio with a solid wall foundation on the bottom. And in between, it was, this, this book covers several summers. Um, I had this great, oh, I was going to school then. And I would take, on the summers, I would go up to the cabin and spend June, July, and August at the cabin because it was rent-free. And I would, in between building, I would paint and draw and write. And that's what I continued to do. Wow, you were so young, Yvonne. And from, from losing both of your parents and ending up in the foster system, how did your time in Oregon change you? I think that the isolation of living alone, because once the cabin was built, there was, there was nobody coming up. And then when the snow came, uh, it was impossible for people to come up. So I would spend a week to 10 days totally by myself. And there were no distractions like television or phone. Um, there was reading and writing. And I came to terms with, I had to be my own best friend or I couldn't be up there. And I think on some level, it was allowing me the process to look at the grief 
that I didn't look at. When you're suddenly orphaned, you're in the survival mode. You don't have, at least I didn't have time to um, even try and process loss of grief. And I think I did some of that up there at that time, but also the, it, the, the townspeople, there were older people you know, who grew up in the depression or, you know, who were raising five kids on a shoestring. Um, there was a Mormon family that just helped me out. Um, there was a couple of an older couple, they ran a sawmill. They were always helping me out. And I think these people enabled me to gain a sense of trust in humankind again, because going in the, in the foster system, there were no checks. There was no provision. You're just kind of like dumped in there and, you know, you became a victim unwillingly. So part of being alone and alone helped me deal with aloneness which is a good thing. Aloneness is not a bad thing. And then um, learning to trust again in people from because of the compassion of the locals. I see that you are also a painter. And as an artist myself, I would love to talk about your art. How would you describe the art you do? And how long have you been doing it? Was it since the beginning that it all happened? Yes, basically, I, I, I was drawing from a young age. Um, I was a real sickly kid, or I was always falling down and breaking something. So I spent a lot of time in bed and um, would draw. And then after the deaths of my parents, I drew what I called the little, this little people series. And it was actually expressing... Um, the turmoil in my life at that time. It was kind of like visual journaling. So that was like the beginnings. And then when I attended college, I just checked off art as a major um, because I always did it. And then I started to pursue it. And I paint, I like, one of my fortes is painting on location, um, the landscape. And what I do when I'm at my cabin or other places, I have a French easel, which is a folding easel. It's got all my paints and brushes in it. And I had leather straps grommeted onto it. So I pack in the wilderness and set up my easel and start to paint. I also, when I was up at the cabin, realized the influence of the full moon on me. So that began my series of full moon paintings. So what I'll do is preset a palette with a range of values and then um, start painting the moon in whatever face it is at that time. I did a major twist when I went I was an art professor in Kuwait from 2004 to 2010. And basically, the landscape wasn't inspiring, and it was too hot and dangerous to work outside. So I found pomegranates. You must be familiar with pomegranates in Spain. So I would break open a pomegranate, and in that, I could find the inspiration that I find in the landscape, the, the valleys, the faults, the plateaus. So for the six years I was in Kuwait, I painted pomegranates. In fact, I have painted three series of them. Um, so that's probably for my, my forte is landscape paintings, pomegranate paintings, and full moon paintings. And also I do um, ceramics, and, and they, I'll give you my website at the end, but I do, it's called pit-fired ceramics, uh -huh. and I'll the, the clay and biscuit. And then I have this four foot pit I dug 
and you put the ceramic in it and you put sawdust on top, light it on fire, put sheet metal on the top and open it up in three to five days and you get this natural patina, natural glaze from the heat, um, the vitrification, the smoke. Um, so that's, a, that's another part of my art side. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at you talk a lot about isolation and how this was the catalyst to your writing. So Yvonne, how did this prepare you for COVID and the isolation it caused? My husband had recently died right before COVID. So all of a sudden I found myself in this big brand new house we just built. Um, so I had a couple of years to reconcile that living in that space alone. But then when COVID hit, it was like, hey, this is a piece of cake. I've got running water. I've got Netflix. You know, I've got wine. I've got everything I need here. And I thought back to the cabin when I spent that winter up there. I mean, everything that I utilized was either packed on my back up because I went to the grocery store once a week on skis and then came back up. Um, and, and, you know, had to heat with wood and get the water from the creek and chop ice off the creek to get the water. And so like, hey, this is no, this is no problem at all. Um, so, yeah, I didn't have really any issue with the isolation. The biggest thing I had was I'm a I was I'm a fitness instructor and both the gyms that I worked at were um, closed. So I had to figure out different ways to work out. So I used leech jugs, like as weights. Um, I used my little dogs. I was bench pressing my little dogs, um, but don't bench press your dog after it's eaten breakfast. No fun. Um, I survived really well. I, I got back into reading. I got more centered. Um, you know, I quit all, I, I volunteered at the hospital. My dogs were therapy dogs. We did that three times a week. I volunteered at a youth shelter all that suddenly came to a crash. And here I was by myself in this house. Um, but I just, you know, I had all the conveniences I, I needed. And your book series is called Baby in the Woods. And the newest one is called Self-Portrait. So for our listeners, can you quickly tell us what the book is about? So the book continues, The Babe in the Woods, Building a Life One Log at a Time. And it talks about, I think I already said, um, building the second cabin mm-hmm. and dealing with oak bears, actually having to shoot one when I got in between a mother and a cub. And also, um, kind of unconsciously, when I was writing it, I wasn't really aware of it, but I talk about my development as an artist because then I was like, I think from 22 to 24, 21, 20, maybe 21 to 24 during that period. And so I talk about my development as an artist and, you know, because I lived alone and painted alone, I had to become my own critic. And 
I think I developed a vocabulary in my head in order to talk me through the paintings or you know, talk me through the paintings. Um, and I also became, I don't like to use the word conduit. Maybe a conduit is better than vessel, but if I don't feel something, I don't paint it. If I don't have a visceral response, I won't paint it. And I have a visceral response for most landscapes. If, if you see one of my landscape paintings, it's because I felt something in the land I wanted to paint. Um, so I think I was starting to hone in on that and also mature my technical skills. And I'm curious to know if the wilderness of Oregon had anything to do with this book. And what was your inspiration for this book? Well, I think the, in, the inspiration for the book was to continue the story. I don't consider each book a memoir. I think all three books together could be considered a memoir. It's a story of a place and time in my life. And it took place in the wilderness. And living in the wilderness teaches you a deep appreciation, teaches me a deep appreciation um, in listening, uh, listening to the land, being with the land, not abusing the land, and learning to not fear the unknown. So for instance, when I first moved there to start building, I was afraid to go out in the dark. And little by little, I'd go out in the dark, take a step, next night, take another step until I was walking in the woods until my, what I would fear, like if I'd see a stump in the dark, I'd think it was a bear. So I learned to literally walk through my fear. Um, there's imagined fear and there's real fear. The imagined fear, for instance, in self-portrait was if I heard the bear, the bears at night on the porch, you know, I was imagining they're going to come into the cabin and eat me up, rip me apart. That's imagined fear, but the real fear was actually when you're physically confronted by a mother bear. So, and I use that same philosophy when I'm up there because I'm so isolated and because I'm sensitive, I do not read anything disturbing. For, for instance, I never read like then Edgar Allan Poe up there because then I'm left with those thoughts. And for me, I have to have a pretty solid healthy mind well, anywhere you do, but especially up there. And you, have you ever considered to live in the city, in a big city? Oh, I have. I lived in, um, I lived in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and I lived in Kuwait for six years when I was an art professor at Kuwait University and teaching uh, university-age Muslim women. And Actually, I wrote a book about that. It's Suitcase Filled with Nails, Lessons Learned from Teaching Art in Kuwait. And that was, you know, living in Kuwait, it's back, back then it's changed a lot. Um, you know, most of the signs were in Arabic. So it took some getting around and the, the traffic patterns there and the traffic behavior is so totally different than anywhere else. I know I couldn't go back to the city. I am Portland, Portland, Oregon is just, Eight seven miles down the road from me, and when I go there, I just get I get overstimulated because I'm looking at everything and I'm hearing everything, and it's just like a like a sponge, and every little sound and sight goes into one of my pores. So I have to take it one day at a time in the city. They feel the same. And Yvonne, is there a message? 
you would like to leave to our listeners? Enjoy your life. It's short. And I think anybody who's, who's interested in maybe attempting to live off a grid or even wanting to research it, I think the Babe in the Woods books are a good first read for that. They're simple. It's a sim they're simple stories. Um, the third one, which is finished, is called Babe in the Woods Path of Totality. It's yet to be published, takes the reader up to present day through COVID. Um, so that's also a nice kind of guide. So no, I would just say, carry on, try not to get too disturbed by the small events. And I'm, I'm a big one to talk about that. Um, and then check out my website, which is YvonnePepinWakefield.com. It's just my full name, Y-V-O-N-N-E. P-E-P-I-N-W-A-K-E-F-I-E-L-D.com. And then I'm, I'm also on Facebook as Yvonne Studio. I'm always putting new work on there. And then Facebook, Babe in the Woods, Building a Life One Log at a Time. I frequently post when I go up to the cabin about what I'm doing up there. So that's my message. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And Yvonne, are you currently working on anything you would like to share with us? Well, I just finished building a new studio and home directly on the Columbia River. So that's what I've been working on. Not, I didn't physically build it. I had it built, but you know, you have to be on site all the time. So I haven't for the last six months really worked because I haven't had a studio to work in, but I have been working, finishing the Babe in the Woods Path to Totality. The one thing that uh, I did do because I was living in a really small space, I sold my house and I had to live somewhere where this was getting built. I um, started sketching again and I had taken some photographs the last time I was at my cabin of the woodshed um, it's where I store my wood that I chopped to put in the fireplace and the, the moonlight was on it. And so I started this, I'm starting this series of taking it to the woodshed. And so it's going to be painted in moon values and each one will have like a different little object in, in the woodshed. So that's, um, it's, it's a departure from what I usually do because I usually paint straight on location. This is going to be using using the physical structure and the contents of the woodshed, but it's more of an imaginative foray, foray as opposed to like direct painting of landscapes or pomegranates. I, I could visualize your painting a little bit in my head. So Yvonne, it was a pleasure to speak with you today. Um, I'm going to check your website to see your painting, your books, and I'm pretty sure our listeners also are curious to know about your work. And I wish you success and please come back when you publish a new book. Oh, I would certainly like to. Thank you so much for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships 
don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.